you know you are capable of more because you have a burning desire to get the absolute most out of life. To starve your fears, to follow your dreams, and to realize your true potential. And we are going to do that together. This is The Andy Stort Show. Let's go. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to The Andy Storch Show. I am your host, Andy Storch, and this is a show where we can come together to starve our fears, to follow our dreams, and to fulfill our true potential. And you know I like to bring you interviews with interesting people along with solo episodes. And today, I've got an interesting interview for you with my friend Adam Posner. And we're doing things a little bit differently because Adam and I, uh, we connected a while back on LinkedIn, and then we finally met in person at the LinkedIn Talent Connect Conference in Dallas, We actually met as we were both uh, running from meetings to go meet with Gary V. And uh, yes, if you didn't hear the story before, I met the man, the myth, the legend, Gary Vaynerchuk at the LinkedIn Talent Connect Conference in Dallas a couple months ago back in September. And in this episode, we tell the story about how we both met him there. And Adam actually uh, worked for Gary V at VaynerMedia a while back. And we also talk in this conversation about how he worked there, how he got fired, uh, what happened when we were at in Dallas and Gary actually talked about him in his keynote on stage. It's a pretty crazy story. So this interview is a little bit different than most because Adam and I decided to just do a long conversation where we collaborated and published it on both of our shows. And so most of the beginning of this interview is him interviewing me for his podcast. And then at some point we flip it and I ask him some questions about his background and everything. So I've split it into two parts. What you're listening to today is part one, which is mostly him asking me questions. We also tell the story of how, you know, meeting Gary V of what happened in Gary's talk. We talk about LinkedIn. We talk about authenticity. We talk about what I'm doing in talent development and what's happening with the talent development think tank and that getting rescheduled. One more note, I won't do a full intro of Adam here. I'll do it for the second episode. Uh, But Adam is a podcaster. He has a podcast called The Podcast. He also runs a business as a recruiter, uh, which I think is good information to know for this conversation. So he spent a lot of time on LinkedIn, both for his business and as a content creator and someone who's an influencer and a thought leader on there as well. Uh, And so we interact on there all the time. So you hear us talking about LinkedIn, about uh, getting from marketing into recruiting and things like that. So without further ado, here is the first part of my conversation with Adam Posner. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast where I bring you the best and brightest from the world of business, marketing, and personal growth to help you harness your inner tenacity and drive your career forward. Folks, we're doing something pretty cool today. It is a hybrid collaboration we're going to mishmash it up. Basically, my guest Andy Storch and I, we're going to interview each other. It's going to be a collab effort. So Andy Storch, my guest, he is the host of a bunch of cool stuff, the Andy Storch Show, but we'll get to that in a second. But he is a talent development consultant, a coach, a speaker, and a connector. And I think that's why we're connected because we're mutual connectors. And he's mm-hmm. a host of two podcasts, including the Talent Development Hot Seat and the Andy Storch Show featuring Andy Storch as well as the founder of the Talent Development Think Tank Conference and Community. And I definitely want to talk about that a little bit. So I want to talk about how he pivoted during a natural disaster, how he kind of rebounded from that, refocused. Really cool story, and I applaud him for that. And we're going to talk about how we met and a really interesting experience that we had together around the great, well, great to some. Some people don't know who the hell he is, Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, that we learned about for sure. But most importantly... <laughs> Andy is a husband, a father, and who's on a mission to get the absolute most out of life and inspire others to do the same. Andy Storch, welcome to the podcast. 
Adam Posner. This is so exciting, man. This has been a long time coming. You and I have so much in common, and yet we know a lot of different people. We do some different things. And uh, I think we both bring a lot of energy, a lot of passion for networking and connecting. Yes. And when we did meet, and I do think we should get to that story, uh, it was kind of like worlds colliding, like, oh, we are definitely meant to be friends. It was and a perfect storm. It was so freaking cool. Yeah, exactly. And brought together by Gary Vee. We can talk about that. Yeah, let's, so let's get into that for sure. So let, let's give a little bit of background here. So let's take it back to, uh, I think it was September 26th, Dallas, Texas. And we're not talking about the Kennedy assassination here. You know, it sounds like that. I'm going dark. <laughs> I was down the road, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I took photos literally in the street. It was crazy. Do you know they have an X in the street where Kennedy got shot? I didn't. You know, I've been to Dallas many times. I always meant to go over there to the, what is it, the public school building. And I, yeah, I the library. Yeah. The so library. Yeah, I never have. I, I took a walk there the first morning. I'll send you that picture afterwards. It's really freaky. So you could actually stand. I mean, it's a live street. So I waited till the light turned. And I stood in the right. street. And you could look up to the book depository. And you could actually see, you know, Oswald had a pretty clear shot, man. It's a hard shot, but I mean, it's crazy. That's, that's history right there. So was there, was there another shooter? Have you seen the Irishman? No, I haven't. I've heard about it. So let's regroup after that and get some thoughts on uh, maybe some ulterior motives why Kennedy might've gotten killed. But we're, we're digressing here. We are really digressing. We went off the path there. It's Friday. Listen, man, it's Friday. It's been a long week after holidays here. So Andy and I were both at LinkedIn's big annual shebang bang in Dallas, Texas called Talent Connect. I know of Andy. Andy know, has known of me. We've been connected on LinkedIn. I think we even had a couple of messaging chats, but we really never like, we never no, really never got down. Never talked live, never really hung out or anything like that. No, nothing. And it's funny. So during, during the conference the day before uh, the Gary Vee incident, that's not an incident. It's a happening. It's not an incident. I saw Andy walking around. I saw him talking to some other people. I recognized him, but I, I didn't go up to him because he was busy and I don't really like to play interrupter. Um, Were you intimidated? Were you intimidated? No. No, no, I'm no, just no. <laughs> I, I don't get intimidated by, I'm a, I'm a New Yorker man. It takes a lot, but I saw him doing his thing and I kind of saw him walking around. And finally we chatted before the Gary V thing. I went up to him and mm-hmm. we're like, hey, you're Andy. He's like, you're Adam. I know, like, I know you. I'm like, I know you, bro. And yep. we kind of just uh, broed it out for a little bit got to know each other. So we're at Dallas at LinkedIn Talent Connect. And I'm going to tell my side of the story to a point. And then I want Andy to chime in so we have a linear timeline of this. So Gary Vee was one of the keynote speakers. Everyone knows my story with Gary Vee. I was let go from VaynerMedia. Gary gave me the most important words of wisdom and my advice, yada, yada. Now I'm a recruiter. Now I'm doing great. And I have a podcast, blah, blah, blah. But so I'm at LinkedIn Connect. And I see Gary Vee is speaking a little bit later in the day. I'm like, cool, I'm going to go to my sessions. And I'm in a session about an hour and a half before Gary's keynote speech. And it was a great session, Don Burke. It was awesome. And I'm looking down at my phone and I see Gary is broadcasting live on LinkedIn Live. And it's literally across the hall from me. So I'm like, you know what? It doesn't look like anybody's around him. I wanted to catch up with him. So I make my way over there. Now, what was Andy doing at the same time? Well, it's, it's similar, you know, and, and just to back up, you know, I, we'll get into more about yeah. what we do and everything, but I, I run my own business in talent development. And this conference came on my radar pretty late because I heard that Josh Burson was going to be speaking there. And, and Josh is, uh, for those that don't know, he's probably the biggest name in HR, uh, in the HR world. Uh, he's got nearly 800,000 followers on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. a bunch on Twitter. And he's just a cerebral, he's not like a Gary Vee, he's not dynamic, he's just like this researcher that everybody follows and he knows his trends. So when he's speaking at my conference coming up, I knew he was speaking there. 
So I was like, I need to go there and meet him in person mm-hmm. and, you know, maybe meet some prospects. So I, I dropped, I think it was like $2,500 or something for the like last minute ticket to this LinkedIn. Yeah. We'll talk about that price point a little bit too, but yeah, we can. But one of the things that was exciting to me was Gary Vee was going to be speaking and I'm a huge fan of Gary Vee and I knew I wouldn't, you know, it's not like he's going to be hanging out, but even if I could see him speaking, maybe, maybe there's a chance I might get to meet the guy shake his hand or take a selfie with him. That would be amazing. Could be worth, you know, the, the trip, right? So I'm not optimistic about that. I'm excited about going, trying to get in the front row when he speaks later that afternoon. Right. And like you, I'm sitting in a session. The one I was in was JP Elliott and his colleague from Dick Sporting Goods. They yep. were talking about... And we'll talk about the, JP afterwards too. Let's put a bookmark in JP Elliott. Okay, cool. I just met with him this week. But he, they were talking about kind of the brand they've been building. Uh, for those of you interested in Dick Sporting Goods, kind of started this hashtag campaign and they were talking about, I was sitting in the front row trying to be a good friend, taking some pictures of him right, and texting it to him. And then I also, like you, I looked at my phone, I pulled up LinkedIn and I see that Gary Vee is live on LinkedIn, which I've never seen before. No, I, I think it was his first, maybe. The background looks like it could be inside the Dallas Convention Center. Right, like you, you knew exactly where it was. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, he is here somewhere. And if I don't take advantage of this moment, I'll regret it forever because my own could be my only chance to meet him so That's i exactly what i thought ran out of the room so we roll up over there and literally there was maybe like four or five people chatting with him and, and, and d and rock and then like two other people and then you and you and i rolled up right at the same time and i'm like cool we're both on the same wavelength of like we know what the hell's up and most importantly yeah. what i like about our wavelength here is that we're opportunists in the most best way possible we yes. know when to strike like we both could have sat back and be like eh I'm not going to go bother Gary, whatever. Listen, man, like that's what we do, man. So I want to comment on that because I think, I think in that moment, and maybe I'm blow, I'm, I'm exaggerating, you know, on this, but I think that right there is a metaphor for the way to approach life, especially as an entrepreneur, if you're trying to do big things and something that you and I both believe in and how I've changed a lot of my own life. I used to sit back and be scared and not take advantage of opportunities. But in that moment, I just went and so did you. Right. And that night we were at the party, the big, big party. And I talked to multiple people who said, oh yeah, I saw he was live. I thought about it, but you know, I didn't know where I'd find him. I didn't want to leave the session. I thought people would look at me you know, and they didn't do it. Right. And we did. So tell us about your uh, interaction with Gary. First time talking to the man face to face. How'd that go? Well, it was, you know, it was, it was minimal. In fact, you know, I, I look back, I've thought about this, but I mean, I went right up to him and I shook his hand. I gave him a hug. It felt a little awkward, but I just, I'm a <laughs> hugger. I'm a, I'm a loving guy. I'm a hugger. Yeah. He's done so much for me. I wanted to give him that hug. And I just told him, you know, Hey, here's what I'm doing. I run a couple of podcasts, you know, conference, whatever. I've learned so much from you. I really appreciate everything you do. And that was kind of it. And I realized afterwards that because I wanted to be respectful of his time and like, if there were other people waiting, but yeah. I got to realize afterwards, like, he really didn't have much going on. And there really wasn't anybody waiting. Dude, he, he wasn't doing anything. He was exactly. literally... Exactly. <laughs> like, I definitely could have talked to him more. I could have asked him yeah. a question. He would have been cool with it. He would have been cool. I didn't, yeah. I didn't take full advantage of that moment. But no. It great. And I, but I got a picture with him, which I posted on, you know, Instagram and Facebook. And, it, it you know, I don't have a huge following on Instagram, but I, I post on there regularly. It, it's probably my most liked... Yeah. image on instagram did gary, did gary like it did he like I it i don't think he did no i tagged him i don't i don't think he understood it's funny it. because i i was part of vayner a long time ago i'm weirdly in the gary v and he told me this at another point i'm in his feeds i'm yeah. literally he he commented when my my son was born 
like he's in my feed and he capped out on LinkedIn because I connected with him, you know, six, seven years ago when I was interviewing a banner. Like I'm in that 30,000 person ethos. And because I post so much and a lot more than his other people, he's told me, he's like, you are always in my feed. Nice. And I'm like, <laughs> success, yeah. right? Like, right. Right. <laughs> like good stuff there. And then after Andy went up, I mean, I've shared my story enough and I'll share the clip and all, but you know, the, the, my whole Gary V thing there. Yeah. So the, the piece that I always like to talk about afterwards, Gary walks away and Andy was like, holy shit, did that, did that just happen? Did you just like really bro out and told him everything? And like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, man, it was, it was incredible. I mean, it was really like, I have like a one-on-one with Gary, like once a year, like we yeah. meet up somewhere, I grab coffee or something, whatever. And I'm gracious that he gives me that time. So I never really thought anything of it. And then Andy and I were talking about it, you know, how cool that was that we actually both took the time to do that. And then we both met up again. And we're like, dude, we're going to we'll hang out later. We're going to, you know, crush it at this party, which was epic. We'll talk about that in a minute. And then we kind of went our separate ways. And I remember walking in to the conference and there was this big, huge entrance. And you kind of walked in and then the whole stage opened up. And I thought for myself for one second, and I shit you not, Andy, I'm like, what if Gary talks about, you know, my story with him? I had that thought and that's real. And then I sat back about 15 rows from the stage and I was texting with you. You were like right in the front. And then Gary's doing his thing. I'm like, this is cool. I didn't think he was his best performance. I felt like he was kind of winging it a little bit. No, I agree. Right. And then like 23 minutes in, I, he starts kind of like pacing over to my side of the stage. And I saw him make eye contact with me a couple of times earlier. That wasn't and that you're right behind me. I'm in the second row. You're probably what, like 10 rows back? I was like 15 back. Yeah. And, and, and just to paint the picture further, yeah, there are 4,600 people here. So it is a huge, huge convention center. So for me to be in the second row, you'd even be in the 10th row means we're pretty close to the front. He can see us from the stage. He didn't see me, but he found you <laughs> and he looking through me at you. He's like, where are you, Adam? Yeah. And he finds you. And I'm like, oh my God, I just talked to Adam about this. I know who he is and what he's going to talk about, but nobody else did. So it was just a, it was an odd moment. And, and he kind of walks over and I saw him make that second eye contact. He's like, where are, where are you, Adam? And I'm like, dude, I, I get the chills talking about that moment right now. Cause I, and I didn't know where he was going to go with it. Right. I'm like, oh, man, he's going to pull me on stage, you know, and and for anyone who and, and just I'll, we'll link it back to what happened ever. But Gary basically used me as an example. He talked about why I was a top 15 firing for him. Yep. Not top 10, top 15, meaning 11 to right. 15. And I'm going to ask him about that, too. I go, well, where am I? Am I 11 or am I 15? And he told my story and he leveraged that into a discussion how important it is to be mindful of, of a human being's experience when unfortunately you have to let them go because that happens in business on the way out. So that was an incredible experience. I mean, I literally had my 15 minutes of fame. The ladies sitting behind me were like, is that you? Is he talking about you? I'm like, who else, like, who else was he talking about? Like, he literally right. is pointing at me. But the, the other lady took a picture with me. Yeah. Like, and then we went to this party and I'm going to tell you what's so awesome about that. So we leveraged that opportunity at the party and you were incredible, man. And I, I give you kudos. You literally opened up your network to me and you introduced me to so many people. And it was very serendipitous. And I think that's what the key word is. It was serendipity that you and I met before, that we mm -hmm. had the Gary V situation. And then, you know, we hung out at the party afterwards and you introduced me to JP Elliott, who I'm having on my show in a couple of weeks and some other yep. really cool people. And then the networking world just really opened up there. So I really think that like, going back to the cost of Dallas, Texas, right? It was not a cheap event. You know, and I no. even got an early bird too. I think between my airfare, my travel and everything, I mean, we're talking, you know, $2,500 at a minimum there. Yeah, probably you know, with, 28, something like that. Like all, more, all, I got in. In, all in, because I got in later. Airfare wasn't bad. And then uh, my hotel was actually pretty cheap. Yeah, it's a cheap town. 
But the ROI on that experience and the people that I met, I mean, these events are about networking. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, I'm not going to give away my list here of some of the high caliber folks that I met along with yourself, but like that $2,500 investment, yeah, it's going to pay a hundredfold over the next few years. Well, you got that video of, of uh, you know, Gary talking about you. We both got pictures with him. I mean, how do you quantify that? What is that worth? It's exposure, right? It's brand marketing. And, and, and you can't always monetize it unless you can make a direct correlation between somebody who saw that video and now they're a client of mine, which yep. will probably happen there. So let's flip up a little bit. Like we talked about Dallas. You talked about us meeting. Andy Storch, tell us who you are and what you do best, man. Well, thank you, Adam. You know, I am. I do a lot of things. You mentioned earlier. Um, first, you know, the the biggest thing in the business world is I am a talent development consultant, uh, coach, connector, facilitator, speaker, uh, all those things. I really specialize in connecting companies with exceptional learning and development solutions to help them turn strategy into action and get their people doing the best work of their lives. Uh, I run a lot of workshops on leadership development, business acumen, innovation, sales training, things like that. But I also do a lot of things in the personal development world. And as you mentioned, I host two podcasts, The Talent Development Hot Seat, which is more about right. corporate talent development and serves my business. And then I have The Andy Storch Show, which is more of my hobby, personal development, things like that. Sometimes there's overlap. Sometimes they're different. You know, the personal side of things, since I know we like to get personal here too. I am married, yeah. two kids. I live in Orlando, Florida, but I'm on planes and all over the place. This guy's all over the place. So let's talk about your background a little bit. You know, how did you venture into the world of, of talent development? And let's just be very clear here. You're not a recruiter. No. no. So talent development, let's, is, talk about, let's talk a little bit. Let's unpack that a little bit. I think uh, adding some context into your journey from where you really started, and we're not talking about when mom and pops met, but like, let's talk yeah. about you know, the last few years about your journey. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's, a, it's a meandering journey as many people's uh, careers are, and it, you never know where you're going to end up. I, uh, after college, I went out to California and I got in. I worked for a couple of startups, started a couple of companies. Nothing really worked out. Uh, all failed. I got into corporate world working in insurance. And then I got my MBA at uh, USC Marshall School of Business, made some great connections there. That's when I really got big into networking, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read this book called Never Eat Alone by mm-hmm. Keith Ferrazzi. And I, I, just, it. I basically just, that was 2005, basically put the whole thing into practice. And by the third year, I was president of the MBA program, 700 people. And like nobody even wanted to run against me because I knew everybody. I just <laughs> put all those things into practice. I mean, networking so important. I ended up getting into consulting. I got a great job with this uh, Swedish company called BTS yeah. that is known for uh, business simulation, strategy execution. And a lot of times the clients were uh, learning and development, talent development type people at big companies. So uh, I worked there seven years. And then about three years ago, I really got into personal development and I started to fill this pull back into entrepreneurship and wanted to do things more on my own. And so about two years ago, a little bit more, uh, I left that company to go out as an independent consultant with a with a sister company called Advantage Performance Groups. So I'm affiliated with them, but I'm a you know 1099 independent right. consultant running my own business, no boss. You know, kind of get to do all kinds of crazy marketing stuff that I want to, like starting the podcast, like posting every day on LinkedIn and Instagram and, and all that stuff that we do. And just found that I love that, and I have so much to share with people. So I'm you know building the business now around talent development, and for me, what that means is. A lot of company, a lot of people invest in developing themselves, personal development. But companies usually have departments or people that are trying to figure out, okay, how do we develop our people? How do we give them right. the management skills they need, the business skills they need to be successful at their job? Could even be sales skills. Some people call it training and development, learning and development. 
um, whatever you may call. So that's the, that's the side of business I'm in. Those people in those companies, I think they often sit near the talent acquisition recruiting people, but it's completely different. Right. You know, they're often under the HR umbrella. But I do find it's interesting that when I talk to people outside of the corporate world, my, you know, friends that I make who are just on, you know, entrepreneurs, small business, stuff like that, they hear it and they go instantly to recruiting. They're like, oh, so you're in recruiting? No. Like, no, difference. I do nothing with recruiting. I, know, I don't know anything about recruiting. That's call Adam. That's his job. <laughs> and, and I appreciate that too. What do you, what do you love about talent, talent development, talent branding? I personally place a big value on growth. I need to be growing, <laughs> learning, um, improving all the time. And not everybody feels that way, but I know people need to find a way to get better uh, at their job, that companies need to develop their people if they want to improve, if they want to avoid being disrupted. And uh, I love being able to help companies and people with that. I love uh, facilitating workshops and seeing you know, the light bulbs go off, uh, helping people become better managers, understand a business better, understand strategy better. And I like to think that you know I'm helping those companies achieve better results and, and maybe even making the world a, a better place in, in some ways as well. But it, it's really about helping people. So let's peel back the curtain on you on some of the development work that you do. What makes the workshops and the strategy and approach that you bring to the table different and stand out and most effective? Well, there's a couple of things that you know make working with me different. One is that I'm independent, like I said, so I don't bring a bias towards you know one. Right. You don't have an agenda. You're not like packaging an agenda. No agendas, no, no quotas, anything like that. And I have a lot of partnerships with a lot of different solution providers, so I recommend a lot of different things based on what clients need. The second thing is that everything we do is highly experiential. So I believe strongly in the power of experience and practice and discovery-based learning. And uh, I think a lot of your listeners, no matter what kind of business they're in, can probably relate to the idea that death by PowerPoint rarely works for Ugh. learning. And yet, that's still what most companies do. Right? They're throwing slides up on the wall. Like, yeah, the 50 slides, someone who's not a very experienced speaker or facilitator, and here's the strategy and go do it. And you're like, <laughs> I don't get this. And then you go back to your desk and then you just go back to whatever you're doing before. Right? It doesn't resonate. It doesn't sink in. It doesn't, it's not effective. Yeah, I mean, people will tolerate what they hear from leaders, but they'll they'll act on things they discover for themselves, and so we let them discover that. And the other thing about that too that that I talk about a lot is when you think about the military and you think about sports, they do a lot of practice, practice, mm-hmm. practice, practice before they get in the real game. And in business, nobody practices anything; you just go right, and you it's make mistakes in a high stakes world. So when I run business simulations, things like that, it gives people a, a, an opportunity to practice in a safe space. And then the last thing that I think um, makes what I do different from maybe some other people out there, especially in like the leadership development world, is that I've got that knowledge of both business and leadership. And so many providers of leadership development training out there, they're very knowledgeable about leadership and organizational development more so than me, but they don't really get the business side of things. And sometimes that can either be a turnoff or you know a lot of business leaders don't want to listen to it because they're like, well, you don't really get the importance of the finances and things like that. And, and I do. So I think that stands out for a lot of people. And who are some of the folks that inspire you in the specific leadership, thought leadership, and coaching on the strategy? Hmm. Like your mentors. I mean, it's not, it may be a household name, but who, who really showed you the ropes and, and, and taught Andy how to pay it forward and, and teach? Well, I mean, I've had a lot of mentors along the way, but these are, you know, these are like colleagues, not well-known people. But uh, going back to the company I worked for before, uh, a woman named Jessica Parisi, who's now the president of BTS USA, she is the the best leader I've ever worked for, a true multiplier 
uh, really tough on culture and uh, so knowledgeable about business and leadership and transformations. Um, I learned a lot from her. And then uh, my partner now uh, on some things, Bennett Phillips, who's uh, you know doing this conference with me, he's really mentored me as I come into this business about you know this business of talent development, what people care about. And then you know I've had a lot of mentors in that business in podcasting um, because I got to tell you, I have uh, you know going back to when I went out on my own, I already had a podcast and I decided to start this second podcast on talent development, really to kind of get meetings with as a, as a biz dev tool. Yeah, biz dev, build my network, learn more about what's going on. But you know, fast forward, I've done well over 100 interviews now with uh, talent development practitioners and uh, people like JP Elliott, who's been on my show uh, almost a year ago, I think. And I've learned so much from them. Mm-hmm. That, and I put that content out there that you, know, you wake up one day, it's like, how do you become an expert? Either like do something for 30 years or you study it. And I wake up one day and I know a lot about what these people are, are dealing with and about you know, the practice of talent development. And so a lot of people look to me now because of that. Well, you hit an interesting point too about the podcasting too. I mean, I, I use my podcast as my canvas and I'm, and I'm talking to a lot of people who are in my universe, right? Who are experts. Yeah. I mean, I've only been doing talent acquisition and recruiting for five years, which in the yeah. grand scheme of things isn't a lot. I mean, yes, it's an yeah. accelerated rate and I'm bringing in, you know, my 15 years of marketing and business experience into that. So I don't want to yep. discount. And I, do, I also want to take the word just that I have been doing for five years at an, an incredible rate. At an but intense the, level with some te- great clients. Right. But you bring that marketing experience, which my outside perspective of recruiting and talent acquisition is that marketing is a huge part of it. And so and it's that's all what's missing. relevant. And that's what's missing. Employer branding and recruiting. But the, the, the right. point I just want to wrap that point up, I'm, I'm having guests on that are such high level experts that I'm using this platform as an opportunity for me to learn from them. Totally. Right. So it really is like uh, I'm, I'm building my own you know, general assembly class with this podcast. Yeah. Right, like I'm sourcing people, and and I and I got some great guests coming up who we get super tactical. Those, yeah, and it gets you meetings with those people that you wouldn't otherwise get. You know, you'd ask them for time, they'd be like, eh, I don't know. But you're like, can I ask you questions and publish it? And they're like, cool, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, and then you build that relationship, and then you email them, and then before, it is really it's so interesting. We talk about this too with podcasting. It really is like an incredible biz dev tool. Right. Like, I mean, just saying hypothetically, JP Elliott's coming on the show, Dick Sporting Goods. I mean, that would yep. be a great potential client. I'm just saying hypothetically, mm-hmm. JP, you know, some other people as well, too. Uh, so shifting gears a little bit, LinkedIn. Let's talk about LinkedIn for a little bit. Yeah. What is your biggest pet peeve right now with the platform? <laughs> I didn't know that's where you're going to go. There. You're going to say, like, how do you? No, use- no. How we do you, get, What do you dude, love dude, about I, 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 throw, I throw knuckleballs and curveballs all let's, day. Let's sing I'm, LinkedIn's I'm, praises. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a five pitch pitcher. I got five pitches, man. Let's go with the pitcher. By the way, that that LinkedIn Talent Connect conference we went to was like a three day commercial for LinkedIn. We all paid over two thousand dollars a pop. Wait, yeah. Let's pause on that for a second. LinkedIn Credit basically paid us to go to a yeah. LinkedIn propaganda we conference. We paid, we paid them, them to let them. Everybody said to me, "They're like, why is it free? Like, why the hell are they charging you?" Yeah. But people pay. It's big, you know the speakers are the big draw, and then right the, everything. The food was good. So getting so, back to like, um, what's, what's bothering? You? First of all, how long have you been on the? Let's put a little context here. How long have you been on the platform and active for? Yeah. So I mean, I've been on the platform probably for I don't know fifteen years or whatever long it's been around, right? I have, or maybe more, twenty. Yeah, but as I far think as we're like two thousand three, two thousand four, I was on two thousand six. Okay. So posting content regularly. I mean, I've been using it as kind of a biz dev tool for the last eight years as a consultant, uh, you know, interacting with people, messaging people, trying to get meetings, things like that. Uh, but as far as like posting content and, and be, you know, creating content on there, it's been about two years since I went out on my own. 
really ramped it up over the last year, getting into a lot of video and things like that. My biggest pet peeve is that it's just the UX of, of posting content. It's just oftentimes I find that it you know, won't let me tag somebody or it just kind of like it, it won't let me post something or the videos come out looking wonky. And I just think a little bit of that is still a work in progress. Uh, I find the, the biggest thing is like I'll write a post somewhere on my computer and then try to paste it in because I don't want to write it in LinkedIn because I might lose it or whatever. Yeah, I do that too. But I find when I paste it, that I can't tag people. I don't know why. You have to you have to go back and some of the UX is a little bit a little bit yeah. wonky, a little it's bit wonky. Weird. And and it's and I think part of the reason we we get so frustrated with that is because Facebook nails it so well. Facebook like auto so or the auto know? the auto general. I I do that a lot too, man. Like I'll I'll go back also I'll, I'll edit a post and it'll remove the tag. Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. Like bro, I'm like Jeff, Hefe, El Hefe. Yeah. El Hefe, come on, fix the glitch here. Uh, yeah. I mean for me, one of the biggest pet peeves is around, there's a couple things here. I, I think that everybody, listen, LinkedIn is technically a B2B platform and it's yeah. meant to be selling, but I think people really need to understand the approach to build relationships first and they're missing the relevancy of it. I can't fault mm-hmm. people for trying to sell stuff. I cannot fault. Right. People no, need to make money. People have a sales. job, right? We're in yeah. sales. That's what we do. But it's about taking the time and, and being relevant. I cannot even tell you the sheer amount of inbound messages and mail that I get yeah. that are just completely off topic. Yeah. And they're going for a hard sell. And I sit there and I get these con- these connection requests and I'm so hesitant to hit the accept button because I know the second that I do, I'm going to get a, a five, six yeah. paragraph uh, note on that. So what I started to do, yeah. if I kind of smell something's a little bit off or I'm mm-hmm. curious why this person wants to connect with me, before I connect, I'll reply to them and say, hey, thanks for reaching out. Just curious, where do you see potential synergy? I want to yeah. see that they're actually putting in the effort. Now, there's some people that it's like, Hey, dude, love your podcast. Saw your interview. Saw you were commenting. Yeah. Would love to be connected. I'm like, yeah, cool. Yeah. There's there's different schools of thought there. What kind of advice would you give people the best way to to really connect and make meaningful relationships on LinkedIn? Oh, it's the same thing you would talk about. I, you know, and I've tried it all. I am big on meaningful relationships, but I've done automated stuff and reaching out to people. I never go in for a hard sell, but you know, hey, uh, try to get a meeting or something with prospects and going in cold. It doesn't it doesn't work that well. I find leading with a podcast. Uh, can be better if I'm going after yeah. you know those high level HR talent development type people, but yeah, yeah, really like starting conversations, leading with you know real real conversation, being curious, asking questions, posting a lot of content has been helpful because you know and, and having the podcast because sometimes I connect with people and they're like oh like yesterday someone's like oh I'm so honored you connected with me I listened to your podcast I'm like wow that's really cool right uh, and just being like real and authentic and humble I think is a great way too and. Also, I mean, for me, I think it's just know who you're connecting with and like check out their profile and see what they do. I'm not that bothered by the cold sales pitch because I'll either just delete it or I might even disconnect from them. I do that sometimes too. Where I get frustrated is if it actually has nothing to do with me. Completely irrelevant. We want to sell you this software, automation software for IT services. I'm like, I'm not an IT. Did you check my profile? I don't know. You know, what are you talking about? I get get recruiters reaching out to me to recruit me for jobs. that are. (laughs) It's one thing if you want to try to recruit me for a recruiter job, that makes sense. Even to the extent when some people try to recruit me for jobs they see in my profile from before I was recruiting. Because I get it. If you're doing keyword searches, that comes up. And I give them an education, right? Like, hey, just spend a minute to look at my current job and see what I'm doing. But when I get recruited for roles that are completely irrelevant, yeah. I take that recruiter to town. I go, you know what? You're the reason that recruiters get a bad rap. You're the re- and, I, and I'm not trying to like put them on blast publicly. I do it on, in a message to them directly. I'm like, please take that extra 30 seconds. That's all it really right. takes. 
If you yeah. clicked on my profile, you looked at my most recent job, you see that I'm a recruiter, you see that I own my own recruiting firm in right. digital marketing. You can also see that I have not spent a day working in marketing, uh, proper marketing in, in five and a half years. So right. do a little bit of that legwork. So you, you mentioned a, a very key buzzword, and I usually save this question for the end of my show, but what does that word authenticity mean to you, Andy? You know, it's it's ever evolving. And I read a book recently that actually changed my mind about it a little bit. But I think in general, the important thing for me is, you know, of course, it's about being yourself. People say, don't hold anything back, be your true self. Obviously, you're going to be a little bit different in different types of situations. Right. There's you know, certain things that you keep this, private. Yeah. I'm going to be different with clients than I am on this in this podcast with you than I am with my family. Right. But it's just not trying to be somebody else, not pretending to be someone else. Unless, and this is where I shifted my mindset a little bit, I read the book, uh, The Alter Ego Effect by Todd Herman, which uh, is all about, uh, he's, he's a, a coach for 30 years for athletes and, and entrepreneurs and business owners and stuff, helping them really develop what he calls an alter ego, the person that you want to be, that you know, maybe you're not acting like today. And so this is where it kind of comes in where like maybe you need to kind of pretend that you are the person that you want to be, but that person is really still you. So I think it's just not being someone that you're not, unless it's someone that you're growing into. I completely agree with that too. And, I, and it's interesting. I think about that. I think that there's times and moments where it's like, where I'm acting like my potential. I'm acting to where yeah. Adam next phase is going to. And I love it. Like it kind of lights me up. And yeah. that comes out when those moments when I'm with Gary Vee, those moments when I'm interviewing top guests, when I'm you know, in business meetings and I'm really bringing my best self to the table. Yeah. You right? know what? It, I think the other thing too there, and I'm sorry to interrupt you on please. that, what you made me think of, is that it's really about being the way you want to be without worrying so much about judgment. And you know, Gary would talk about this too, right? It's like, judge judges. It's like me seeing you somewhere and just going right in for the hug and not being like, oh, well, what if he's offended that? Well, I mean, and you got to be careful with some things like this. Some people don't like to be touched, right? You got to kind of feel that out, right? But you know what I mean? Like say, I, I just compliment people all the time to say how I'm feeling. And as I've leaned into that over the last year or so, and it just feels so good to just be me and not worry about it. I think a lot of people overthink things too, and they, they struggle with perception and what other people think. And that comes with the balance of knowing yourself and that self-awareness and having an understanding how other people view you and how you view yourself. And we could go down a rabbit hole on that, but let's, let's pause on that for a little bit here. So we talked about conferences. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, I know I'm switching gears here, but I want to talk about yeah. the conference that you're, you're throwing in January. When was that originally scheduled for? Let's talk a little bit about what happened there. Yeah. I mean, this whole thing is, is interesting. You know, you go to conferences and events and, and I don't know if you thought about doing your own, but somewhere along the way, my friend Bennett and I just said, you know, we go to a lot of conferences, some in the, many in the HR space, and they're so boring. And going back to that death by PowerPoint, it's inexperienced speakers, you know, people who have some things to say, but they're not very good. They use PowerPoint slides. It's boring. The setup's not interactive. They're not leveraging the experience in the room. There's so many great knowledgeable people there that are not getting to contribute. And we just said, we can do something different. We can do something better. We got a decent network. I wonder if we put a conference on, if we could get people to come. So that was back in probably February of, of this year, 2019. And uh, we started putting things together. We decided to call it the Talent Development Think Tank. We deliberated locations. We, we decided to put it in Sonoma, California. Not uh, a bad place. Because we booked uh, two big name speakers in the space, Josh Burson, who I mentioned earlier, hey. and Liz Weissman, who wrote the book, Multipliers, who's also a really big name in the kind of leadership development space. 
and they're both in the Bay Area. And Ben and I both used to live in San Francisco, so we got a network there. So Makes sense. Back there. But let's get it out of the city so people don't go back to work You know, at the end of the day, two-day <laughs> two event, right? So we picked Sonoma. We got the venue. We started marketing this thing, sending it out to everybody we know. I was posting about it on LinkedIn. Uh, we probably went about two or three months with nothing but crickets. Like, you know, a lot of people that just said they couldn't make it. And we are just, we're, we're not freaking out. You know, we both decided. You're that, panicking a little bit. Right. We both decided like, we're going to do this and we don't care if we fail, but we are definitely starting to get really worried because we're on the hook for a few thousand dollars, at least with the hotel and everything. And then around May, ticket sales started to trickle in a little bit, got some from my podcast. Uh, which was an amazing moment, by the way, as a podcaster, when I was just sitting there at another conference and I looked at my phone and two people from a big company, Alcoa, paid full price for a ticket, $1,500 a ticket that they heard on the podcast. I was like, wow, this is amazing. So it started to grow. And then we really, it was, it was scheduled for early November. And we started, we, we had like a cutoff in August for a uh, price point and we sold a bunch of tickets. I couldn't believe it. And then we finally got to a point in October where we had to market us sold out. We had 130 people it's amazing. coming. Yeah, um, good for you. We ran out of space. The funny thing is, you know, originally I wanted to try to sell more and they had more space, but we were terrified that you know, we would be on the hook for all this space. And so we just reserved one ballroom instead of two. And by the time we realized, oh my God, we could sell more than 130 tickets, the hotel had already booked the other ballroom. Yeah. So it was like, all right, good problem to have. We're sold out. But anyway, as you, as you alluded to, Sonoma, California, anybody following the news may remember that there were a ton of wildfires up that way. The Kincaid wildfire was raging through Sonoma. And our web person emailed me one day and said, should we worry about this fire? And I was like, nah, it's not going to come into town. You know, we're in Santa Rosa. And uh, sure enough, Sunday, about a week before, eight days before, my partner Bennett called me and he was like, dude, the, the fire's coming into town. I, they're in the evacuation zone. I think we need to postpone this conference. And I, I couldn't believe it, but the hotel was evacuated. So if you called them, there was nobody even there. And you know, we didn't know if they'd be able to open back up in, the week, in a week, but we couldn't in good conscience you know, have a bunch of people fly into a fire, no, <laughs> into a fire a, zone. It's bad business, man. Yeah. So we postponed the conference. It was, it was sad to have to do that. But uh, it took a few weeks. We were able to work with the hotel, with the speakers, and find a new uh, time that works. So we're doing it January 22nd and 23rd back at the same hotel in Santa Rosa, California. Great. Amazingly, with four, four keynote speakers who all travel and, and speak around the world. I mean, that guy, Josh Burson, I mentioned, he is always somewhere. And I would like... One of my marketing, guerrilla marketing tactics was is, is it still to go into his posts on LinkedIn and go message all the people that like his posts. That's and, not, that's a good, that's, I mean, literally, yeah. I mean, I talk to people all the time. That's a great tactic, right? Like oh, a fan yeah. of your fan should be fans. Yeah. Every time he posts, he gets like a thousand, you know, reactions. They so just go in and, and people will be like, oh yeah, I saw him in Paris. I saw him in Dubai last year. Or I saw him in Singapore. I'm like, this guy is everywhere. So anyway, to get him is awesome. And I just interviewed him this week for my podcast. Finally, by the way, that's going cool. to be this next week. That uh, was a great interview. If someone attends this conference, what should they think about getting? What are they going to get out of it? Why is it worth their time and money? They're going to get uh, certainly a lot of knowledge. The big thing is we will be talking about the latest trends in HR and talent development. Uh, we're going to be defining the future of talent development because we're going to be using de- design thinking after we hear from Josh mm-hmm. about the trends. You know, you're going to be interacting. You're going to learn a lot about a lot of things that are going on out there. For me, though, I still think the most important thing is the network. You and I are big on network. We know all of our jobs, business opportunities, everything comes from the network. So many people in talent development tell me, I wish I had someone 
you know, I wish I knew what other companies were doing because we just weren't as bad. Like sharing information. Yeah, so you're going to get that, that, that network. You're going to hear best practices. You're going to get a chance to talk to people about your real challenges. Um, and you're going to learn from some of the experts in the space. And I think people are going to walk away with you know, a clear direction and return on an investment. It's really interesting talking about the, the ROI of conferences, right? Because a lot of times yeah. it's just a boondoggle, right? Like it's, yep. it's seen as a boondoggle. And companies, you know, they're cracking down on budgets. So you really have to show that true ROI and really make it, you know, compelling for them. So what's, uh, let's talk about 2020, man. What is on deck? You have your two conferences coming up. What about Andy Storch himself? What do you, what do you got going on as far as pushing, pushing the throttle, pushing the needle ahead? Yeah, there's a lot. As I mentioned, I am uh, talking with my friend Vincent Puglese about planning an event for entrepreneurs in September. Uh, it's going to be called Don't Call It a Conference because we are going to change the game on conferences. The anti-conference um, conference. Building the business as well, you know, as usual. Uh, i got a lot of opportunities in the pipeline. I'm working on uh, the podcast. We'll keep those going. And uh, I've got a book on my mind that I'm thinking about uh, trying to write in 2020 as well. Interesting. Uh, and I want to really move in, shift into this space of career development and helping people really take ownership of their career. And part of that will be networking. Part of that is building a personal professional brand. And I don't think there are many people speaking to that in the corporate space right now. So I think there's a lot of opportunity. That's interesting too. And, I, and, I, and I've been thinking about that myself too, that I'm getting booked on a couple more speaking gigs and I can only yeah. tell my story so much, but I really think I could tell the power of networking and how, you know, for me, I, talk, I say it, I didn't coin it, but my network is my net worth and I built it and nurtured it over the years and I leveraged. So, I mean, look what we're doing right here. Yeah. Look what happened at LinkedIn, like real networking and like the follow-up and the sheer amount of work and effort that goes into developing a real network. It's not just having 30,000 connections on LinkedIn. Right. It's not a race. It's not a game. It's actually interesting because I'm about to hit that 10,000 threshold. And I yeah. see all these people coming in. They've been on the platform for about a year and they're hitting that 30,000. Because it literally, it's a race for them to add that many as a badge of honor. But it's really right. not about that. It's right. about breaking it down and having those meaningful connections. What I'm kind of planning to do is uh, reverse engineer and break down my 10,000 connections and show how long I've known people for, show them that the percentage that are actually in my industry or yeah. within my realm of industry to show people that's how you really build a network. How, how are you going to do that? When you have LinkedIn Recruiter, which is a recruiting pro, you could do a reverse demographic and break it down by a lot of filters on it. Interesting. Uh, we might have to do a separate... Uh, I, just, I just passed 10,000 as well, and I'm, I'm very curious about that. But I've also been, you know, to your point, uh, it, it's like quite that badge of honor, you know, getting into five figures feels pretty cool. But I've been intentional about who I connect with and, you know, especially focusing on those HR talent development people because that's where I'm trying to build the brand. Right. I mean, think about it too. You think, you know, when Gary Vaynerchuk got up to 30,000 or these other people, they wouldn't realize like, shit, you know, maybe I would have not been a little bit more selective about who I connect with. Yeah. Right? And I've been thinking about that with Facebook too, because I try to connect with people I, I mostly know. And I probably have, I don't know, 2000 or something friends or whatever. And I think the limit's five. And I've been thinking about that more late because I, I meet people now and they're maxed. And I'm like, can we be friends? And they're like, well, I have to remove somebody. I can't do it. I don't want to be in that situation. So I'm going to try to be. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty. I'm pretty intentional with my connections too. And and I'm not saying just because if I if someone sends me a request and they have zero people in common, that's not my sole reason for not connecting with them, right? I try yeah. to see the relevance, or if they send me that personal message and they're really telling me why. So I digress here. So let's bring it home here, Andy. A couple of questions that I ask every guest to get perspective. What is the single best piece of advice that you've ever received? that you take action on daily? I want to say something about networking, of course, you know, and I don't know where that, I don't really know where that started, but I mentioned 
you know, reading the book by Keith Ferrazzi was a big one. But even before that, I had gotten into networking and I was president of my fraternity in college, which is a big turnaround. My parents were shocked because I was so shy as a child. So somewhere along the way, I must have gotten some good advice on that. And of course, you hear about the, the five people you spend the most time with, you know, Jim Rohn. And of course, your network is your network, like you said. Um, I take those things to heart. I'm very big on building the network. I'm always trying mm-hmm. to do that. I'm very big on health and fitness. And I don't know, I don't know if anyone gave me like definite advice on that. You know, my, my parents both were pretty much into health and fitness and I think they inspired me. But I take action pretty daily on those things. Awesome. Um, no, that, that counts, then, man. Yeah. And then I think, I don't know, just overall, maybe this wasn't like a piece of advice, but it was a book three years ago when I read The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod that had made a big impact on me and kind of changed my life. And I've been practicing that, you know, I've been practicing meditation every single day since then, you know, getting big, bigger into reading and journaling and just doing all the things I've been doing. And that just changed my life. Yeah, no, that, that, that's awesome. There you have it. That is part one of my conversation with Adam Posner, the podcaster. I hope you enjoyed it. Stay tuned for part two, which is coming out very soon, where I interview Adam about his background and ask him about what happened when he got his dream job at VaynerMedia and then subsequently got fired and how that went down and where he went from there. So stay tuned for part two with Adam Posner, the podcaster. 